Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day workshop for men seeking to overcome any destructive sexual habits. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery with decades of combined experience. Read testimony of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. I want to personally invite you to be part of the next workshop coming up August 12th through the 14th in Texas. So call us today at 210-822-8201 or visit gatewaymen.com. Welcome to Pure Sex Radio, training men, educating women. Are you ready to get real and start living each day in purity? This dynamic program is designed to educate, encourage, and equip listeners with the tools necessary for living a life of sexual purity. Pure Sex Radio brings you the best in mobile talk radio. Listen to real life struggles, learn how to overcome lust, pornography, and sex addiction, and get serious about purity. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're so glad to have you here with us. My name is Jonathan, and we have a real special guest with us on the phone today, Shannon Etheridge. So, Shannon, thanks for being part of the program today. You bet, Jonathan. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Well, before we dive into kind of hearing a little bit of what you have to share with us today, listeners, I like to remind you every now and then that uh, we are a listener-supported broadcast, and all that means is that the only way we're able to continue bringing these programs and allowing you to get to know these incredible guests is through the partnerships of folks just like you, those who want to come alongside and and uh, want to partner with us in our in our ministry and being able to help people be aware about sexual brokenness and sexual health and then also providing resources for those who are seeking to grow in their integrity so if you'd like to come alongside and partner with our ministry simply go to puresexradio.com and click on the donate button and uh, we will be happy to have you as a partner well, Shannon, I want to I want to kind of turn it over to you because I think you have just this uh, wealth of experience and information, um, m- much more than we could ever fit into one small short uh, podcast. But I did want to at least give you an opportunity, kind of introduce yourself to our listeners, maybe share a little bit about um, who you are and and where you've come from, how you've gotten to this place in ministry, and just whatever it may be on your heart that you would like to share with our listeners. 
Well, thanks so much. Again, I just really appreciate the opportunity, Jonathan. Uh, Yeah, I consider myself an advocate for healthy sexuality and spirituality. I feel like sexuality and spirituality are two sides of the same coin, and that when we can align our sexual values with our spiritual values, it not only brings integrity into our lives, it also brings great joy and peace. But when our sexual values and our spiritual values are out of whack from one another, that's what ushers in compromise and anxiety and low self-esteem. And so um, I'm a life and relationship coach. That's mm-hmm. what I do is I, I work with people in regards to their relationships, their marriage, their sexual uh, issues and hang-ups and um, you know, fantasies, fetishes, all that jazz. And uh, I think that the thing that I have probably learned the most over the past 20 years of doing this ministry is that female sexuality in particular is basically one big pendulum swing. Mm. Sometimes women swing too far to the left. They act out and they do things that they never in a million years thought that they would do, such as you know looking at porn or engaging in interacting with someone over the internet that they don't even know, or having that office affair or the the you know sexual relationship with the guy from church or whatever. They just they find themselves again in a place that they just never realized that they could be, and uh, and and low self esteem really sets in, or she sometimes finds herself in the opposite season where she just feels totally sexually shut down. I've already met with two women just this morning who that's the camp that they're in. They just feel as if I can't even stand to look at my husband. I I don't like it when he touches me. I don't want to have sex. I I feel like it's my marital duty, not my marital delight. Mm -hmm. And so whether a woman is swinging too far to the left and acting out or whether she's swinging too far to the right and shutting down, my goal is to help women find a healthy balance in the middle where they're interested in motivating sex partners once again, but only with their husbands, not with anybody else. And Mm -hmm. so I've been leading these four-day Women at the Well workshops in my home for the past several years, and uh, we're a small group of eight to ten women who are totally strangers to each other. I mean, they they come in, we we make sure, we uh, look at where each person is coming from, and we make sure that nobody's going to know each other so that they will feel safe taking off their mask and being real because they're not going to run into these people at church or in the grocery store the following week. And they, they kind of rewind the tape and they look at their entire life. And kind of the analogy that I use is that if you were to pick up a book and go straight to chapter 29, well, it's not going to make sense to you. And you certainly don't know what the rest of the book is, is going to mean. Right. You have to rewind the tape and look at chapters 1 through 28 to make sense of chapter 29. So I have them look at some of their earliest childhood messages, some of their earliest experiences, uh, the the emotions that were resident in their soul throughout the time that they were growing up and how those have carried on into their adult life, and to look at why am I acting out or why am I shutting down? Because until they get to the root of why they're doing what they're doing, they stand a great chance of continuing that pattern over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Now, when you talk about this, um, this pendulum swing. I think that's kind of fascinating, and I'd like to explore that a little bit more because, you know, it's interesting you talk about how there can be, you know, some women can swing in one direction of becoming shut down sexually, and a lot of times then that also means emotionally. And then the, the other part is they can just become hyperactive uh, and really mm-hmm. just go off the deep end. Have you found that there are any particular factors that are most maybe common that that you see in in women that go either direction. In other words, are there things that sometimes you can tell, oh, 
this person that maybe has had either this kind of a background or these kinds of factors in their life are generally going to be the group that goes and shuts down versus, you know, these folks that have this in their background and some of these kind of things are generally the ones that go hyperactive or is it just not that um, clear? Well, I, I say that sexuality is as unique as our fingerprint. Each individual is different, but there are obviously some patterns that are similar because no temptation seizes us, but what is common. Mm -hmm. And so I can always look at their family of origin and ask questions about, tell me about your relationship with your father uh, or tell me about your relationship with your mother. Um, that that usually yields a lot of uh, clues. And so oftentimes women, when they do look for love in all the wrong places, they're looking for a father figure. They're looking to replace that connection and that security that they didn't have with their own earthly fathers. Um, or, you know, there are women who they get involved in same-sex relationships, and they're confused and bewildered thinking, oh, but I thought homosexuality was so wrong based on my own upbringing and my understanding of Scripture, yet here I am in this lesbian affair. Well, oftentimes when you look at their relationship with their mother, you can see that there was some significant brokenness and disconnection there, and oftentimes it's an attempt to medicate that very pain with the attention and affection of a, a, a woman, often a woman older than them. And so looking at family and childhood wounds. That is the most important thing that I think that we can do. Because again, you have to look at the first few chapters working up to where they are now before you can ever help them make sense of why they're doing what they're doing and what wound are they trying to medicate. And you mm -hmm. know, not a lot of people, uh, there are some people who they may look to gambling, they may look to drugs, they may look to alcohol, they may look to food. But I think that sex is probably the most common one that people look to because it creates a sense of euphoria like nothing else. I mean, yeah, it feels good to eat a whole sleeve of thin mints uh, or half a tub of ice cream, but there is something that is so euphoric about orgasm and about sexual intimacy with someone that I think that sex is probably the direction that broken people turn to most, wouldn't mm -hmm. you say? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess, um, you know, as soon as you say that uh, that history saying, hey, we need to talk about your mom, we need to talk about your dad, we need to talk about that family of origin. I can already hear in our audience and feel in our audience like a, a, a large number of these women taking a step back and saying, hey, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. And, and <laughs> I, so, was, I was that girl at 27 years old. I don't want, I'm not here to talk about my father. Right. Next question. And so, <laughs> and that was exactly what I needed to talk about. And so how do you, cause obviously there's a real gentleness that's needed in order to be able to, to in, in some ways kind of invite a woman into that space. How do you help a woman? How can a woman bridge that huge chasm that she's tried to develop to her past and say, listen, I, I've left the past in the past. Why does this need to have anything to do with my lesbian relationship now or my hyperactive sexuality or my shutdown sexuality? Why do yeah. I need to go there? Well, one of the things that I have found that really helps women is, you know, we're nurturers. That is, that is how God wired us. We are such nurturing human beings. And so when I ask them questions like, if you saw a four-year-old who was really stressed out, if a four-year-old knocked on our door right now and was trembling and didn't have an adult with them, and, and it was obvious that they had been traumatized, what would your response be? And of course, they're like, we would invite them in, and we would wrap them up in a blanket, and we would hold them, and we would talk to them. What's troubling you? What's wrong? And it's like, okay, 
okay, that's exactly what we're here to do with our hurting four-year-olds. And I explained to them how we are all hurting little girls trapped in grown women's bodies and that it's not that we should have gotten over that, that that's not who we are anymore, that our life is like a snowball rolling downhill. It accumulates over time. And so we're not just 48. We're also 28 and 18 and 8 and 8 months old. And all of these experiences in life build upon one another. And sometimes it really does help to peel back the layers to that season of our life where we felt so out of control. So whether that was 4 years old or 6 years old or 11 years old, if I can help them go back to that season and feel those feelings that she didn't know how to feel, much less express, much less ask for comfort for, if I can help her feel those feelings, then she can heal those wounds because you can't feel it until you, I'm sorry, you can't heal it until you feel it. And, mm-hmm. and you have to, to feel it in order to deal with the, the ramifications of those things. And so here's another analogy for you, Jonathan, to just kind of drive this home. Um, if you were to pick up the newspaper down in San Antonio this morning and the headlines read that a guy had been found to have all these people bound and gagged in the basement of his home and police did some investigation to find out who are these people? Do they have anything in common? Why did he choose them in particular? And what they learn is that these are all his wisest teachers in life, junior high, high school, college. And so, of course, you'd be scratching your head going, why would he bind and gag his most wise teachers and stuff them in the basement? Why wouldn't he have them in the living room, sitting at their feet, serving them cookies and tea and and just learning all he can from them? But isn't that what we do with our negative emotions? We aren't taught how to feel and process our negative emotions as children. We're told things like, shut up or I'm going to give you something to cry about. Um, you know, you don't have a right to be angry. Uh, you're not entitled to an opinion until you're an adult. You know, those sorts of things. And so we learn to stuff our negative emotions in the basement of our soul. But at some point in our lives, our emotional bills come due. And we have to invite those negative feelings up out of the basement and learn from them because God has given us anger and fear and sadness and guilt and all these negative emotions. He's given those to us for a reason, and that's to guide us. And if we stuff them in the basement, they're not serving a purpose except for just stunt our growth. And that's what leads to arrested development. That's why even though we're in our 40s or 50s, sometimes we can still feel four or five Mm -hmm. because we never dealt with those tragedies and traumas and the things that cause those negative emotions during that season of our life. Well, and when you're talking about the, the kind of the messages that then get imprinted on a young girl, you know, it makes me think of just how... Uh, damaging the message of porn ends up being because if if so many I and mean, we know that that you know statistically um, half of the people even in the church are looking at pornography at least once a week so uh, there's a huge number of families even church going families that are um, exposed to that pornographic message within their homes and one of the things that we know from pornography that it teaches is that that it teaches this this idea of domination um, of power of control of using of a commodity rather than relationship so if you think about that if a father is you know essentially ingesting the lies of pornography then he is already setting up subconsciously in his mind to see his wife, to see his daughters, to see women as less than. 
And right. That, and, and, that, and that message definitely then gets conveyed and you have this sort of generational dysfunction that just gets passed down again and again. And I, I guess the question I wanted to ask you is, do you see this burden that, that the women carry that sometimes is so different from the men because it sort of just funnels down and then they're sort of the last stop of all of that shame and negative energy and aggression and pain? Absolutely. And I think that that's one of the reasons why so many women have a genuine aversion toward men, even the good men, even the ones that they know are good for them or are good guys and or make great husbands and great fathers, that there is just a genuine deep-seated hatred for all men for girls who are, who were raised in homes where they felt objectified because porn was an issue in the home. And I also want to say that oftentimes, you know, women assume that, oh, well, porn is a man's issue. Mm-hmm. But let's be real, you know, 33% of women are now admitting that they regularly access internet pornography. And we often miss the fact that we're actually trying to medicate old pain through looking at porn. For example, one of the ladies that, that came to one of my first women at the well workshops, she was saying how she was there because she um, was addicted to porn and she was very embarrassed by that. And I asked her point blank, what are the words you put in your search engine? And she was just flabbergasted. Like she couldn't believe I was being so direct. And I said, that is a very important clue that we need to have in order to help you figure out what is the payoff for you? What are you trying to medicate? And she finally said, well, I'm looking for threesomes. And I said, well, that's one of the most common searches, just so you know. And she said, but it's not like your standard threesome where you're looking for two women and a man. She said, I'm looking for two men and a woman. And I said, okay, well, I think that there's probably a psychological route to that. Let's explore that. Tell me about your family of origin. And she explained that her parents were stoners and would close themselves up in the master bedroom and get higher than a kite. And it's that it was those times that her big brother would take her into the room that he shared with their little brother and sexually molest her. Mm-hmm. And her only hope for, for being rescued, if she knew that her parents were too high to, to know what was going on, even if she screamed, they were on the far I- other end of the house. She said she would fantasize that her little brother would want into his room and knew that there was a key hidden under the baseboard. And so she early on started fantasizing about another man being you know, entering the scene for the purpose of rescue. But you can see how that translated into her adult mm-hmm. fantasies of being in a threesome with two men, but this time, instead of being victimized, she was the victor. This time, instead of it being a painful experience, it was a pleasurable experience. She was in control instead of out of control. And so it was really just medicating her emotional pain of having been sexually abused. And I asked her, have you ever told anybody that you were sexually abused? This group of eight to 10 women were the first people that she ever shared it with ever, ever. And so that's been several years ago. And and anytime that I have talked to Michelle since then, she's still porn free. Like now that she understands what was driving the search, she knows to take that pain to God or to talk to her counselor about it further or you know, to deal with it and heal it rather than medicate it with more porn. Mm-hmm. Well, and what do you see as the the key markers for a woman starting to get free? Because I think, you know, there's, there's certainly plenty of our listeners out there that are going to say, you know, there's a lot of women that are out there kind of in the shadows um, because this is still something that um, is there's such a, a shame cloud over women who are struggling with pornography and with you know sexual brokenness that when they do enter into you know these types of safe environments, uh, women at the well or a counselor or something like that, where they start to even tell their story, 
how can you um, what are some markers that these women can look for that says okay these are these are some breakthrough points these are some things that are really essential I mean you've talked certainly about going into the family of origin issues but are there some other milestones that kind of can mark progress for a woman on this journey absolutely when she starts showing grace to herself it has a huge impact and it has a lot of ripple effects. And one of the main ripple effects is that she becomes sexually interested again. That shame is no longer something that is all over the idea of sexuality. She's not embarrassed any longer that she has desires. She's not mortified by her own body any longer. That she's comfortable in her own skin, perhaps even enough to initiate sex with her husband on her own. And so what I love about my job is so oftentimes I will get flowers or cards or candy from husband saying, I don't know what you did with the woman that I sent to you, but I'm keeping the woman that you sent back because she mm -hmm. blossoms sexually. When a woman feels as if, okay, I've been delivered. Uh, I, that's no longer who I am. I don't need the porn. I don't need the affairs. I don't even need the wall of protection around me. I don't even need the buffer between me and my husband to protect me any longer. I am a strong and powerful woman and I have sexual desires and I'm not afraid to let those be known. I'm not afraid to enter into my husband's sexual desires and fulfill him. That the passion and the pleasure that is our birthright as Christian women, uh, all of a sudden they they claim that and they literally blossom in front of their husband's eyes. And that is a magnificent marker. And then even in the future, when she feels her pendulum swing start to go either to the left or the right, at least she has experienced that season where she had a healthy balance and she can refer back to that and, and know how to bring herself back to that healthy place over and over again. Now I can, I can hear some of our listeners just, or just even feel them maybe almost cringe at what you've just said because it's so outside the realm of what they are able to imagine at this point. Um, I, I think there's still... And, and it, almost sounds, it almost sounds worldly, doesn't it? But when you look at Song of Solomon, that girl is passionate. Mm -hmm. That girl is comfortable in her skin. That girl is eager for her lover to come and blow on her garden that its fragrance may spread abroad and to sit in her lover's shade and, and delight in his, in his fruits. It's like, this is what God intended. Mm -hmm. It's the sexual sin that comes in and the shame and the guilt and the low self-esteem, the insecurities, all that. That's what robs us of that passion and pleasure and that reckless abandon type of feeling. But we can reclaim that. And what, what Jesus did for us on the cross is more than enough to cleanse us of every sexual sin we've ever committed and every sexual sin we'd ever commit in the future. We can claim this freedom, and, mm -hmm. and it really is our birthright. If Christians don't have the right to have great hot sex and to be free to even talk about it, who in the world has that right? God right. is the creator of sexuality. What would you say to the, uh, the husbands or even just the loved ones of a woman who is sort of coming forward with her story, starting to really work through her brokenness. What what kind of insight and, and helpful words could you give to those who are in, you know, whether it be a parent or a husband or just a friend who wants to try to walk alongside this woman in her journey? Yeah, I think that the biggest thing that a woman needs in this season, because it's very scary to her, is she needs acceptance. She needs empathy, uh, that when someone opens up and shares their deepest, darkest struggles with us, the last thing that they need is for us to somehow become defensive or attacking or to even take it personally. You know, there are some husbands that if they heard their wives say, I'm actually tempted, my boss is distracting to me, or there's somebody at church that really makes my, my heart skip a beat or whatever, like 
so, it would be so easy for husbands to take that personally. What's wrong with me? Why aren't I good enough? No, she's entrusting something very precious to you. And if you will treat it as sacred information and say, well, you know, I don't think that this is necessarily about me and you as much as it's about the journey that you're on and how have you made connections to your past and what have you learned about yourself and what do you need from me? That can be one of the greatest, most healing questions that you can ask of anyone is, first of all, thank you for sharing this with me. I feel very honored that you trust me. And next, what do you need from me? And just let her sit with that question. She may not know immediately. She may not be used to anybody asking her that question. But you know, even just a listening, non-judgmental ear from someone who's not taking anything personally, especially too if it's the parents. You know, if like when I um, shared with my parents, okay, I'm doing these interviews. I've written these books, the Every Woman's Battle series, and you're going to hear me talking about how tempted I was as a young married woman and how promiscuous I was as a teenage girl. And you know, that part wasn't a big secret to them. But I said, you're going to hear me talk about the disconnection that I felt, especially with dad, especially after my sister died and everybody in our family shut down and how my uncles sexually abused me when I was 11, 12 years old. You're going to hear me say these things, but I really need for you guys to understand that I'm not trying to bash you. I'm just trying to be honest about my journey because so many women have similar journeys. And my dad turned around in the kitchen and he said, baby, you don't need to worry about what daddy's going to think about you. I know you and I are good and you've got stories to tell that women need to hear. So you just do it. Mm -hmm. And that was just so great for me. It really set me free to to just make this my platform and to Mm -hmm. shout this message from the mountaintop. That you deserve to be a sexually confident wife. You deserve to overcome uh, the battles that you face sexually and emotionally in your life. Yeah. So now for the women who are out there right now that are still in the shadows, they have not come forward. They are terrified. Um, what what do you have to say to them that might help them, even if they take just a, a an inch, you know, toward the light and toward getting their story out, what would you say to them that might encourage them to move in that direction? I know that it sounds scary, the idea of taking off your mask and getting real with a group of strangers, but it's even more scary to not bond and connect with human beings who can really help you process these types of things. And so the notion of, you know, the Bible says, confess your sin one to another that you may be healed. It doesn't say confess it to the world. So I'm not saying everybody has to make it their platform and write Mm -hmm. books about it and speak about it. But for you to even find one person or a small group of people who are all coming together for the same purpose, they're all there in the living room to take off their mask and get real about their sexual struggles, that even to see those women not wince when you share I've had an abortion, or I'm in the middle of an affair, or I have had lesbian lovers, or whatever your issue is, for women not to wince and just to say, yes, and how has that impacted you? And how do you feel about yourself? And where would you like to go from here? To just be treated with dignity and respect and compassion can be so incredibly healing. So you may not have the courage to start that process with people in your world, with your husband or your sister or your friends, but to find a group of people or even one counselor. I mean, for me, it was one counselor when I was 27 years old. I was so grateful that she herself was a recovering sex and love addict. So the things that I had to share about what I had experienced, she didn't bat an eyelash. She just knew the steps to walk me through toward freedom. Mm -hmm. And so find somebody 
that you can connect with. And if you don't feel comfortable doing a workshop, I also do one-on-one coaching over the phone or via Skype or face-to-face if they want to come to me in either Tyler, Texas or Lansing, Michigan. Yeah, so Shannon, let's talk about that. We only have just a, a couple of minutes left, and I would love for our listeners to know a little bit more about your ministry, resources that they might be able to get from you, and also how these women could connect with uh, Women at the Well and just some of your ministry resources. Awesome. Uh, Well, if they go to shannonetheridge.com, and Etheridge is spelled E-T-H-R-I-D-G-E. There's no E in the middle, just Etheridge. Uh, They will see uh, lots of books on there on sexual integrity, such as Every Woman's Battle, um, The Fantasy Fallacy. Uh, They will see books on sexual intimacy, such as Every Woman's Marriage, um, The Passion Principles, The Sexually Confident Wife, and they'll see books about spiritual development, uh, about looking for love in the right place with Jesus Christ as opposed Mm -hmm. to in the wrong places. Uh, That's the Completely His series. Then they can also learn about the women's workshops by clicking on the workshops link. Um, And our next ones are coming up in August here in Tyler, Texas. October is going to be in Lansing, Michigan. November is going to be back here in Tyler, Texas, or they can click on the coaching link and learn more about working with me one-on-one. And I do work with individuals, with couples, and sometimes it even branches out into families because let's be real, parents who have never dealt with their sexual issues will often see their teenagers begin acting out in sexual ways and they panic and they don't know what to do. And so any sexual issue that is impacting your life, your marriage, or your family, I can try to help them with that if that's, if I'm someone that they feel comfortable connecting with. But, you know, obviously there's lots of resources. You guys are such a great clearinghouse to to just make these resources known. Reach out to someone that you feel comfortable with because you don't have to suffer in silence and it will only perpetuate the problem. A splinter left buried deep will only fester, but once it gets removed, it will heal. And so find somebody to help you heal. That's one of my favorite sayings is that everybody has sexual baggage. Just find someone who can help you unpack it. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. And so listeners, just a a reminder that shannonetheridge.com, so E-T-H-R-I-D-G-E, and we're going to have that link uh, with the radio program and on our website, um, so you'll be able to get those resources. But Shannon, thank you so much for making yourself available and just sharing uh, with our listeners. I think this is going to be a great help for so many women out there. So thank you for being with us. You are so welcome. It was absolutely my delight and pleasure. God bless you guys and keep up the God work. Yeah, and listeners, thank you too for being with us. And if you'd like some more help, reach out to us. We're going to give you our contact information in just a moment. And we look forward to having you back here again next week on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com. Mm-hmm.